Welcome to another episode of Lineage Speaks, the podcast, an anthology series of women sharing the stories of how they carry the torch for future generations. I'm your host, Martelena Don Terpel, and this week, sharing her chapter, we have Lindsay Ray Dotavio. Lindsay is an internationally published, multi-award winning photographer and inspirational speaker. She earned first place at the Rangefinders Celebrate the Body and first place at one of the world's largest speaking competitions, the 2021 Speaker Slam on Self-Acceptance. Lindsay owns and operates Self-Love Experience out of Troy, New York. She is an active contributor to Women's Business Daily and a co-author of the Amazon international bestseller, Success Codes, The Secrets to Success You Weren't Taught in High School, which won a 2021 International Impact Award. From a difficult upbringing with a family on welfare to building a multiple six-figure business, Lindsay's focus is on self-love, self-confrontation, overcoming body insecurity, and seeing yourself as more than scars of your past. Lindsay believes confidence in the skin you are in trickles into every aspect of your life and gives women permission to feel beautiful exactly as they are. I am a Jewish woman. I was raised in a very reformed household in a religious sense, but culturally being Jewish was a massive part of my identity growing up. It still is something I'm proud of, (laughs) despite the fact that I could never complain when I was younger because my mother would remind me her father fought in World War II to free our people who suffered more unimaginably than I could ever fathom. Don't even get me started on the guilt of Egypt. Jewish guilt is real and this layer of shame would go on to lay on top of every aspect of my youth until my mid-30s. The shame was like a slimy film that never felt like it belonged to me. I was 32 when I got my first tattoo, despite begging for one since I was 18, because my mother would say things like, do whatever you want, but you cannot be buried with our family. In our family, the guilt continued even past death. The Holocaust was only one way my mother would use guilt to manipulate me. This generational curse would find its way into all aspects of how she parented me. She would shame me for everything from asking for lunch money to the way it made her feel that I didn't care about myself or her when I refused to wear makeup. My father, on the other hand, went through a midlife crisis around 40 years old. I was uh, 13 at the time. He chose to abandon his family, convert from Judaism to a messianic born-again Christian, and marry a recovering alcoholic woman with six kids. The life they modeled and the words they preached were completely incongruent. From him, I'd receive guilt from things like my mom asking for child support, my weight, and not going to church. Shame became his way of exerting control over me. Guilt, shame, and physical intimidation were so normal growing up that when I would go to my friends' homes, I expected screaming, flying objects, and slamming doors, only to find that that was most certainly not normal. 
It was not until I was in my 20s that my mother finally let me in on some of my dad's secrets. They revealed childhood sexual abuse, violence, and addiction from his family of origin. I was finally able to understand that the way my father copes was the way that his father coped and the way that my brother, my sister, and I cope with trauma. We were essentially raised to believe that the only way to make someone do what you want is to shame them into feeling terrible about themselves. This is a form of generational violence. A lifetime of guilt paired with physical and emotional intimidation and violence. My first suicide attempt was at 16 years old. At this point, my mom kicked me out of her home for talking to my father who had left us homeless to be with his new wife. This is the trauma that is passed down from father to son to daughter. This is the generational curse that stops with me. When my daughter was born, I made a vow to be an opposite parent than how my parents treated me. I vowed to never yell, to teach her about choices along with consequences and the rewards of her choices. I raised her that the best way to make mommy proud is to be the best you that you can be. I had an opportunity to see the fruits of my inner work recently with my eight-year-old daughter. She had trashed her room. I mean, literally piles of toys and books and clothes all over her floor. Her drawers open with clothes spilling over the edge. And don't even get me started with the gross food plates she would hide behind other messes. For the first time in eight years of being a mom, I felt actual anger towards my child. I was so mad at her disrespect of her things that I cried because I refused to yell. And the emotions were so intense. She for the first time ever, came on her own, wrapped her arms around me and said, Mama, I am so sorry. And then she began to clean her room. At first, I was so proud I didn't yell. Then I realized that guilting my child with tears may not have been my father's tactics, but they were certainly my mother's. I took five minutes to practice my four, seven, eight breathing to bring my heart rate down and went back upstairs to apologize to her. I said to her, Mommy should not have cried and made you feel guilty. I am sorry. Mommy has not been setting the best example for how to keep our things clean, so I am going to go clean right now, too. If you complete your cleaning, you can still have your play date, and if you don't, you will be choosing no technology for three days. It will be your choice because you have two options, which means if you choose not to clean... Mommy will enforce the no technology consequence. What choice do you want to make, Gaia? Her response? I choose to clean. In one single instance of parenting, I was able to reparent my own inner child. I set a new path forward for my bloodline, one that shows how to communicate, how to take ownership when you are wrong, and how to follow through. She was able to weigh her options and make a decision for herself without guilt, shame, or intimidation. This is what we get to do differently as parents. This is why I am a full believer that the generation of children that we are raising are going to be the ones that will save the world. We are coming from such a different place in raising these children who are trauma-informed and kinder. Most importantly, as my generation becomes parents ourselves, we are not being jerks to our kids because we know how it feels and we've made a choice to change the 
pattern. I have a video of my daughter from my 30th birthday at the hotel we were staying in. She was three years old at the time. And the video shows her looking in this gigantic mirror and repeating, I am beautiful, I am empathetic, I am smart, and I am kind. I watched myself on the screen ask her what empathetic means. And she plainly says, empathetic is when you can feel how other people feel. It is such a simple concept that a three-year-old can understand it, yet so many adults struggle with it because it was never taught. We as a society have failed to teach empathy. We assume that you are supposed to be born with it. However, as I broke my own generational curses, I've come to believe that empathy is taught and then intrinsically grows within you. We exist in a constant state of worrying about what other people think of us. Years and years of breaking down modesty practices have caused shame to become a normal feeling within ourselves. But shame and guilt breed anger. We project our emotions onto others rather than reading their emotions for what they are. We assume what other people feel and what other people think based on our own past rather than taking the time to empathize. As I have gotten older, I have gotten better about being able to say things to advocate for my emotional needs. <clears throat> Example, I will say to my partner, I'm having a really insecure day and I do not feel good about myself today. Can you please just love me a little louder? A tool we used to ask for empathy in our home is the phrase, can you love me louder? It doesn't mean tell me you love me a million times. For me, loving me louder means you see me and acknowledge where I am emotionally and offer words of kindness and affirmation. Knowing where you stand in your personal emotions is the only way that you can advocate for yourself and ask for what you need. For years, I would take someone else's bad day, internalize it, and selfishly project it back on the other person as if they had an issue with me. If we do not advocate for our own needs, we will fall back on our genetic instinct of reacting how we watched our elders react when we were being raised. It is highly unfair to expect our partners or staff, colleagues or family to magically know what we need. No human can actually read minds. The best example of when I learned to self-advocate was when I would be having an insecure day and needing attention but was not asking for it. I was just expecting it and then getting mad at my partner when it was not delivered exactly to my expectations, despite the fact that I had never taken the courtesy to even let him know what that expectation was. Sounds uh, an awful lot like someone else I described earlier. Huh. I was not getting what I wanted because I never asked for it. It is the spiral which happens not just in romantic relationships, but in interpersonal relationships, business relationships, and even familial relationships. Generational curses are not broken overnight. Genetic instinct is ingrained in each of us, and reprogramming our brains to ignore instinct is a daily practice. It is difficult to put your ego to the side, to accept that you may need help. 
But when you do, and you are able to find the right people to help you, you are actually giving yourself more power. In the past, I didn't want to learn or evolve because I felt like I was behaving the same way everybody else around me was behaving and how my elders had behaved before me. This made me inauthentic and drove home the shame that I was raised with and the feelings of never being good enough. I have learned as an adult that different people excel in different areas. To have a well-rounded personal and professional life, you need people who are experts in their area to feed you knowledge and teach you and help you learn. Choosing to do the work of learning how to respond instead of react has been the catalyst for my growth. Learning to sit with my thoughts and face them without fear has been one of the greatest challenges of my existence. I've put in the practice of reprogramming my brain to ask myself important questions like, why are you feeling this? And what do you want from this? Nobody asked me when I got divorced, when I first announced I was leaving my husband and moving into my photography studio. But I believe it is a really important to ask a person. Choosing that full commitment to myself was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. I stayed in the wrong relationship for 10 years. Luckily, I left earlier than my parents split following 27 years without love. Unlike my dad, my ex-husband is a great guy and incredible father, but he was the wrong partner for me. He is a person who did not support my growth, who did not see big picture ideas, and fueled my self-doubt on my ability to be a business owner. Being married to my ex was like being married to a computer system. That's who he is. The coder, the uh, computer guy. While I would be having big dreams and lofty ideas of things I wanted to accomplish and who I want to be, he'd constantly have me questioning my reality. For him, if it wasn't coded on the computer, it wasn't a human possibility. He left me emotionally empty and put up walls that stretched from heaven to hell that I could never break through. I was more alone while partnered for 10 years than single, despite rarely being physically alone. The struggle was real for me to quiet my own inner voices and quiet the actual voices of people who say that you were supposed to stay together for your children and uh, do it for the kids. <laughs> I finally realized I can respect my ex-husband, I can respect my child, and I can respect myself while still leaving and simultaneously having a positive co-parenting relationship and a thriving business that helps women find confidence. I think one of the things that draws my clients to me is the fact that I'm very uh, vulnerable about my own journey and my own challenges with self-love, my own struggles with confidence and my own mission to change my future from the path of my past. Through this vulnerability and openness, I have connected to incredible women in my work that catapult my own evolution. I am now able to look at someone and find something beautiful in anybody. I want to prove that Every woman can be beautiful, no matter who she is, how old she is, what color her skin is, or her ethnicity is, that she has beauty in her. This is something my parents simply could not do. 
my parents' divorce was emotionally, spiritually, and physically violent, and it lasted for 10 years before being finalized. I would be brought to different lawyers, handed from parent to parent, and used like a pawn on a chessboard for my mother and father to attempt to hurt each other. But when it came time to finally self-advocate for my own peace and move out of my beautiful home, I weighed my choices and took the leap of believing in myself to know that I could start from nothing. I was not forced to be with a man for 27 years like my mother did. I did the internal work to believe in my personal power again and build myself back up. When I actually got legally divorced, I called my ex-husband and I said, I have gotten so much healthier. I am sorry that you had the sickest version of me. The person who could not respond through any other lens but trauma. Something, again, my parents simply could not do. I now consistently and religiously take stock of the people in my life, and this doesn't mean I don't value you or think you're an incredibly beautiful, wonderful soul. What it means is that the energy that I'm receiving needs to be tailored to my emotional needs and what I am trying to do as a woman, a mother, and fiancé. If something someone says or does doesn't fit into my mission, then there is rooms on the outside layers of my energy, like the rings of Saturn. I, however choose to curate who is closest to me and my source of energy. The humans in my life are now striving to make their own successful businesses, are supporting each other, are trauma-informed, and will speak your name in a room full of opportunity. Another uh, curse-breaking tool I use is to pause before I respond to someone rather than allowing my genetic instinct to lead my current life. When you pause before you respond, you're actually responding to someone's intention versus reacting through the lens of your own past experiences. The pause allows you to gather composure. During pause time, my heart rate slows. I am able to gain perspective on my own nervous system and my generational instincts to be able to make a decision instead of a reaction. I love that the words trauma-informed are becoming widespread and popular. Being trauma-informed does not mean that you have gone through trauma. It means that you understand that people have gone through things and that they might be replying to you out of their past experiences rather than out of the present moment. Being able to have a trauma-informed perspective, not just for yourself, but for others, will completely change the way that your relationships function. I was crying to my fiancé one day about my mom not answering her phone for over a month. She uh, didn't want to talk to me because I asked her to refrain from sharing information about my life with my estranged father. He reminded me that my mother suffered the same trauma I did and then some. I can clearly hear his Long Island accents as he said to me, Lindsay, look at all the trauma you went through and you were only with your dad until you were 19. Your mom was with him for 27 years. That is eight more years of trauma that she went through with the same man except you expect her to reply to you without that perspective? You want me to give you grace when you forget to pause and react instead of respond, but you are not giving her the same grace. It all shifted for me with that single statement. 
This is the work of breaking generational trauma. Small, consistent choices on how you respond to the world around you. Having a trauma-informed approach to life won't only change how you deal with yourself, but it will completely transform your relationship with every other person in your life. Will you react the same way your parents and their parents before them did? Or will you take active steps to break the cycle and learn to respond to the present? While still honoring my boundaries and growth, I am finally able to forgive my mother. I am finally able to say the words, I do not blame you anymore. You were a victim too. The things that you would say and do to me were because you were afraid, too. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us if you found this podcast to be helpful in your journey. If you would like to experience more from the other women who contributed to this series, you can purchase a digital or printed copy of Lineage Speaks on Amazon. All proceeds go to elamugirls.com, a nonprofit organization giving young girls aged 14 to 18 in Kenya a choice, a voice, and a bank account. Saving girls in Kenya from genital mutilation, sex tourism, or becoming a child bride and changing their lineage story. Once again, thank you for listening. And remember, you get to write your own story, how it connects you to the stories of the past and how you guide the stories of the future. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on. <laughs>